Talking Pharmacy is brought to you in partnership with Beatrice, supporting pharmacy across RX dispensing, retail and OTC sales and patient service delivery. Hello and welcome to this week's Talking Pharmacy podcast. I'm Richard Thomas, editor of Pharmacy Magazine, and joining me on the pod this week are Rob Darricott, editor of P3 Pharmacy, Arthur Walsh, editor of our daily news service, Pharmacy Network News, and Neil Trainus, editor of Independent Community Pharmacist Magazine. Coming up, Kate Westbrook from Pharmacist Support with the final Act Now Wellbeing campaign, Catch Up. And we look ahead to the Pharmacy Show, which takes place this weekend, in Birmingham. But first, good week, bad week. Rob, kick us off. Good week, bad week. Uh, I'm going to say bad week for healthcare generally, although you could say bad five weeks. So what happened five weeks ago? Therese Coffey, the new Secretary of State for Health, was appointed by her friend, fellow Norfolk MP and colleague, uh, the Prime Minister Liz Truss. Uh, now, according to press reports, she has so far, five weeks in, decided not to publish a white paper on tackling health inequalities, binned off the government's anti-obesity strategy, decided to scrap the smoking control plan, which seems rather vague over whether the government will hit its own smoke-free target now, given a speech at the Conservative Party conference which put several in the audience to sleep, thinks nurses don't need a pay rise to cope with the cost of living crisis and it doesn't matter if they leave the NHS and the UK as that's their choice, decided not to purchase extra monkeypox vaccine recommended to her by her own experts, is considering abolishing the four-hour wait targets for A&E so no one will be able to tell just how bad things have become, told health workers they should just be positive, and finally, and most importantly for us as editors, waged a war against the Oxford comma, which I just put in before that last subclause. And which I've just done again. On the plus, on the plus side, and Neil will be interested in this. She's a Liverpool fan, so she's not all bad. Um, more importantly, though, for pharmacy, I think five weeks in, we're still no clearer who's going to be the minister responsible for pharmacy services and primary care more generally. So, if the new chief executive of PSNC is looking at targeting decision makers higher up in the government, then she's going to have to wait a little longer to find out where to start. Incidentally. There's no ministerial portfolios in the Department of Health and Social Care that have been announced. So begs the question, uh, what has the Secretary of State been doing with her time? Okay, she's also the Deputy Prime Minister, but given the serial bin fires she set off in yesterday's tour of the radio and TV studios demonstrate, she can't offer comment about much of what's going on elsewhere across government either. So more generally, that list of five weeks worth of success doesn't bode particularly well for a sector that might want to argue its case for investment, particularly if that case is built in part on public health and prevention. Wow, that's quite a list, Rob. Five weeks. Has she done anything, Rob, that you're aware of? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Had meetings? I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 fascinating, isn't it? That um, you know the the kind of morning ra- the morning round of. Of uh, conversation, you know, the Today program and uh, Breakfast Telly and LBC and what have you, and just what comes out of the end of that. I mean, there is now there are now literally websites that are that are producing the list of today's gaffes. I, I mean, who knows? Um, I mean, it's not it's not been a it's not been a great start, has it? And I I, I think um, 
you know, health's important to everybody and uh, we could really do with some focus, I think, and, and, and at least some idea of things that are going to be done rather than things that are just going to be scrapped. Yeah, joking aside, it's uh, it, it's not good, and and it's it is interesting, isn't it? And and I wonder, significant that they've not allocated the briefs, or we don't know who the the pharmacy minister is. I, I wrote a piece uh, last month, I think, saying um, slightly tongue in cheek that that pharmacy ministers tend to be either invisible or, or or inept, and it and it doesn't really matter. But of course, it does matter, and I think not having, uh, not knowing who the minister is who's got the pharmacy brief, I think sends out. Um, its own signals. So uh, work to be done um, by the health secretary there. And yeah, they, they need to get their act together more broadly, quickly. The ministers have been in for five or six weeks. I mean, what are they doing? Do they know what to focus on? Are they, are they just, I mean, it's odd. I mean, normally, you know, ministers get appointed and then within a week, you get a full list of who's going to be covering what. But with so far next to nothing yeah yeah i remember well i asked you didn't i rob a couple of weeks ago uh or, or when i was writing this piece who's the pharmacy minister and i think at the time it was in the wake of um uh, of, of the queen's death and of course then the monarch has to sign off on those ministerial appointments but that was what three weeks ago now so yeah the um Theresa coffee uh needs to get cracking all right great start thanks for that rob um arthur good week bad week a bad week for the RPS, a very bad week for the RPS. I think they've made a series of uh, errors this year um, or, you know, perceived errors around kind of FIP membership uh, changes to their leadership team. But I regard this last week as uh, the the worst, most foolish and most egregious thing they've done. So so well done, RPS. Um, they, uh, a bit of background on this. Um, you might have heard of the Commission on Pharmacy Leadership set up by the UK's uh, four chief pharmaceutical officers. They're concerned about you know the quality of leadership and representation within the sector uh, as well. They might be. Um, uh, some people are concerned about the makeup of that, that commission, but that's kind of by the by for now. But they set up a survey and they want the sector's views. Uh, it was an evidence gathering exercise on, on views on leadership. Now, the RPS, um, they thought it would go one further than respond. Uh, they felt their ideas, their ambitions were ambitions were too grand to be constrained by the format of the commission survey so instead out they came last week with a vision statement um, there was a lot in there or a lot of pages anyway um, talking about uh, a lot about education a lot about kind of working internationally about how they want to support the gphc and its regulatory work but uh, undoubtedly the headline ambition in that document thing that really caught people's attention was that the rps now um, explicitly or, or the executive team anyway, we're not sure how much the elected officials were involved in this because Paul Bennett was the only person quoted. The RPS now explicitly wants to represent pharmacy technicians in addition to pharmacists. They say that in order to keep pace with an evolving healthcare landscape, um, all of pharmacy needs to come together, quote, uh, in particular pharmacists and pharmacy technicians should be represented in the future by a single leadership body comprised of professional faculties. Um, this is going to, uh, and they acknowledge that this is going to um, require significant changes, the RPS, potentially a change of name and changes to the Royal Charter, um, um, but they're open to all that. Um, Paul Bennett said, many of our members work with pharmacy technicians every day and know just how essential they are to their role in patient patient care. We feel the same with the RPS, and it makes perfect sense to to evolve in this way. Um, it is an entirely new territory. Um, former RPS officials, I can remember former president Sandra Gidley, um, 
uh, spoke in the past about how the RPS needed to 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 work with with pharmacy technicians, but nothing as as big and bold as what they came out with last week. Um, the unfortunate thing is. Um, perhaps not surprising, is that um, no one uh, apparently bothered speaking to AppGK before this was all drafted up and, and, and launched on, on the sector. Um, AppGK, you might be aware, they're the body for pharmacy technicians, representative body, and um, have been around for, this is for 70 years, since since 1952. So you'd think they would have a bit of, um, a bit of say in it. In, in in what what goes on in their um in the in the in their profession, um they were I think a bit blindsided. They took a few days before before issuing a response, but um uh they did uh, on kind of late on Thursday last Thursday evening, um uh UK President Claire Steele she describes it this the RPS vision statement is surprising and said for the avoidance of doubt, after uh, did not contribute, nor are we consulted on the content of this submission. Um, they say uh, pharmacy technicians are registered healthcare professionals in their own right, responsible for their own autonom- autonomous practice. It would not be conducive for harmonious professional relationships for one profession to assume responsibility for another. Indeed, this is not the model adopted by any other healthcare profession. So, I mean, people, you can have your own views on on whether uh, pharmacists and pharmacy technicians should be, uh, you know, represented by the same body. I'm sure there, I'm sure there are pros and cons. I mean, it sounds like from the UK response that there is a lot of re- resistance to what they might view as a takeover by the RPS. But uh, undoubtedly, uh, the way to go about uh, Doing that, it was it's probably the exact opposite of how the RPS have have gone about it. Um, uh, completely, uh, you know, launching it on a on a on on, on technicians unawares. Um, it just completely uh, undermines the the whole. Um, they're kind of the 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 wishes and the, the or the ambitions that they that they have in the, in their in in their vision statement. Just the the way in which it, it it was launched kind of completely undermines any of that. And I like pretty much all of the the response to to the uh, to the vision statement that I saw on social media kind of bore that out. I saw you know very little. Um, yeah, very little kind of you know, hooray! This is great, and a lot of kind of this is a this is a bit of a cock up. So, um, sorry, rant <laughs> over. Um, bad week, RPS. Yeah, goodness me, what? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say about this. I think some did it uh, really well. A terribly bad misstep yet again by the RPS um, in terms of its its communications and engagement. I'm quite arrogant, really, and. and like you say, Arthur, nothing I've seen from um, from East Smithfield or from the elected officials anyway um, that followed uh, Paul Bennett's announcement. Um, and as you say, very, very strong response from APT UK, I felt. I mean, you're right, Arthur. I, there, is, there is definitely a debate to be had. I mean, a controversial one, it must be said. But there is a debate to be had about having a, a, a single leadership body for pharmacy professionals. Um, but this isn't the way to go about it. Uh, as I say, a, a, another a very bad misstep by the RPS. Um, didn't read the room at all. OK, uh, thanks, Arthur. So, Neil, let's go to you next then. Who's your good week or bad week? 
I'd probably say more of a confused week, um, if I'm being honest. Uh, confused week? A confused say. week, uh, yeah. Um, PSNC. Um, unless I've uh, missed a communication somewhere along, along the line, I, there seems to be a little bit of uh, confusion about the LPC levy. And I'd, I, this was decided, as we all know, at the LPC conference during a closed session that wasn't open to the press for some reason. Um, and they you know they decided upon uh, a system or, ca- or, or or you know a calculation that, that you know decides the the levy how the levy is calculated the lpc levy um but we wanted to know a bit more um now in the run up to the lpc conference there'd been quite a, a bit of concern well uh, lpc ken lpc chairmish patel told me he was concerned about the fact that you know if there's a levy based or even partly based on uh, prescription income, then obviously that would drive up the uh, uh, the, the contractor's levy quite significantly. If a, a, an online pharmacy, such as Pharmacy T, for example, are, are registered or based in that particular area, um, and we can kind of see that where he's coming from. Um, we don't know how the, how the LPC levy is um, calculated. Of course, LPCs know. I mean, they were in that they were in that closed session, so they they know all very well. But I I, I just wanted to know a bit more, and I, and uh, you know, contractors have a right to know. Um, so we asked the uh, PSNC, you know, how exactly will the LPC levy be calculated? What are they basing it on? Is it prescriptions? Uh, well, let me tell you what they first said. The PSNC told me that it would be based on NHS income. Now, that struck me as quite a vague answer. So I asked the PSNC to, you know, a bit more information. What is it? What is NHS income? Is it is it is it income from NHS prescriptions or is it is it income from NHS services? Is it or is it both? Um, and the PSNC um, told me that they'd come up with a, a system during that session that was a fairer method of calculating levies in future, much fairer than just basing it on prescriptions. So I, from what from what the PSNC, PSNC have said, I gather that this new system of calculation is not based on just prescriptions. And hey, that might be music to ears um, to the likes of Hamish Patel and, and LPC chairs all over the country. But but what is NHS income? It doesn't, it's not defined. It's not, you know, and we did ask the PSNC to elaborate and provide a bit more detail. And they didn't, um, they didn't do that. They didn't answer the, the, the specific question. And I still think that NHS income is a bit fake. And if I was a contractor, you know, LPC levies filter down to contractor levies. I'd like to know how that's calculated. That's my money. Or, you know, I want to know what, what that's based on. Uh, all right. Fair method of a- allocating the PSNC levy across LPCs. Okay, fine, but what what are you basing it on? So they didn't provide that information. Um, this is what they said the PSNC. They said that the new calculation model will allow for easier future recalculations in line with the shifts in NHS dispensing activity related to distance selling pharmacies, ensuring a fairer distribution of costs between all contractors. Once again, they didn't provide any more details as to actually, in reality, how that would be achieved. Um, so it, it seems like it's welcome news. Um, if I was putting myself in the the shoes of a contractor, great, okay, but I would want to know, you know, how my money, the money I'm paying to LPCs, I want to know what that, what the calculation that's based on. So, a uh, little bit of lack of detail. Um, I think that's 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 pretty poor on behalf of the PSNC, unless, of course, I've missed a communication somewhere, which which they have. I don't think I have. Um, you know, we we put that question pointedly to them, and they responded directly to that question with with a, a very vague answer. Um, yeah, it must be said the PSNC did notify LPCs uh, last week of that indicative, what they call an indicative levy for the 23 year, 2023-24, so that LPCs can at least start planning for the 
their budgets for that financial year, but they didn't break it down. We asked again, we thought it was a legitimate question to ask what, what, what that indicative figure is, or can they give us an idea? They didn't give us um, uh, a, a figure for what that indicative levy or levies per area are or is. Um, it's just nice to get to drill down into the numbers, really, and, and I think contractors have a right to do that. Now, whether LPCs will actually eventually let contractors know how the calculations I'm sure LPCs will tell you tell the contractors what they've got to pay, but whether LPCs will actually ask or tell contractors how that figure is come being arrived at and what, what calculation they've used, I don't know. I don't know, but we certainly think contractors have a right to know. Uh, that's our readership. So, um, yeah, uh, PSNC confused week. I, it might be a bit harsh to say bad week, but I, I, I just felt a little bit frustrated, really, with uh, a lack of uh, candor on behalf of the PSNC. Ooh, lack of lack of candor, Neil. Um, yeah, I look. I for one personally was was quite pleased that the press were invited to that that levy discussion because it's uh, it's pretty hard going to understand. Look, I don't know whether there's a smoking gun here or, or or not, Neil. To be honest, I mean you're all, you're always going to be have winners and losers with whatever levy calculation is used, and it's a very as you suggested, Neil, a very complicated and opaque method of calculating the levy. I mean, I think, yeah, they, the RSG wanted to move to a, a a pence per item calculation, didn't they? And it, it sounds like LPCs might have decided to 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 go back to what was used previously. I mean, I could be wrong, which uh, it, it was based, I think, broadly speaking, around a percentage of of net ingredient cost but anyway uh yeah a little bit more detail uh, w- would be helpful and um of course the most significant development with the levy as you suggested there neil is the is the three quarters of a million uh quid that's going to psnc in 23 24 and what psnc is going to do with that extra money that is the the, the big question as far as i can see but yeah a bit of uh some more clarity uh, for, for, for the readership would be would be helpful there, Neil. I agree. Uh, which brings it to me then. I'll finish off. I'm going, well, similar but related. I'm going for bad week for England's volume and margin-driven contractual framework uh, because its days are numbered, uh, which is good news for some, but not all in the sector, that's for sure. So all this comes in the wake of the, the year four and five Settlement, which we've covered extensively in the magazines, we've talked about uh, on the pod, obviously very poorly received by contractors, but like a bucket of cold sick, actually, uh, despite the concessions uh, over excess margin and transitional payments. So since then, um, in the aftermath, we've had calls for uh, a radical reform of the contract from the MPA's Andrew Lane. We've had calls for uh, an existential or talks sorry, talk of um, existential crisis and a different approach needed. That's from Janet Morrison, PSNC. That's interesting from the lead negotiator, isn't it? And um, Deputy Chief Pharmacist Dr. Bruce Warner reported as saying uh, at a recent AIM conference that it is almost inconceivable that the current funding model is fit for purpose uh, as more clinical services and in particular independent prescribing uh, come on stream. I, I say reported as saying we weren't actually there to hear Bruce in person as, as AIM doesn't actually want us at their conferences. Uh, so what now? Well, there's been a lot of talk about how we can turn the dial in pharmacies' favour. And this is pertinent, not just because of the, the scale of the funding crisis, that it's such an immediate threat to the viability of the sector, but because the forthcoming negotiations on the new contractual framework post-2024 
but they're going to be the most important in the generation. So strengthening PSNC's negotiating and influencing capacity is a must, clearly, as Janet Morrison uh, correctly identifies. And as Professor Wright did before her, though, the starting point has got to be a clear vision, strategy and message that everyone buys into. And it won't be easy, will it? We've been here before. Fair and sustainable funding's got to be, will always be the keystone of a contractual agreement. But why let NHS England make all the running? And isn't it time to change the narrative and articulate a bold offer that places community pharmacy right at the front of, of a progressive agenda of advanced clinical care, prescribing, local commissioning, population health, health digitization, pharmacogenomics, and much more besides. Easier said than done, of course, uh, because the vested interests that make a unified voice seemingly impossible to achieve always seem to get in the way. This has got to change because community pharmacy in England has signally failed to prove its worth and value to the dead hand of the treasury that controls the purse strings. And that's what matters. Pharmacy fundamentally needs a new offer uh, to convince the bean counters at the treasury and a volume-based contract isn't it. So, bad week for the contractual framework. Rob, you are wanting to come in here. Did you get the job to write the new strategy? No, they overlooked my uh, application yet again, Rob. Okay, thanks everyone for the moment. So now let's hear from Kate Westbrook at Pharmacist Support with that Act Now Wellbeing campaign update. Hi everyone, it's Kate Westbrook here, Marketing and Communications Manager at the Professions Charity Pharmacist Support with your Act Now Wellbeing campaign catch-up. This year's Act Now campaign, sponsored by Teva UK and the Pharmacists Events Association, has been informed by issues flagged in our Joint Workforce Wellbeing Survey with the RPS. We spent the past few weeks focusing on breaking the silence of mental health and wellbeing, on transforming workplace culture and developing the pharmacy team. In this final week of the campaign, we shall be focusing on helping you to prioritise individual wellbeing. So across the week, we'll be sharing a range of resources on managing well-being in the workplace, on building positive workplace relationships, on assertiveness and time management. The pharmacy support team will be kicking off this week's activities from the pharmacy show, where we'll be sharing our well-being packs and delivering a series of talks and panel chats on reducing the trend of burnout and on the impact of social media. We'll also be hosting a joint session with the CPPE and APT UK on the support available across the profession. It's never too late to get involved and prioritise wellbeing. You can sign up to the Act Now campaign on the charity's website today at pharmacistsupport.org to receive free wellbeing resources direct to your inbox for you and your team. And you can also follow our conversations online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. It's time to prioritise wellbeing in pharmacy. So join us and act now. Any other business now? And I'm back with my fellow editors. So pharmacy show this weekend chaps always a big event in the pharmacy calendar uh rob what are you going to be looking out for uh i'm looking forward to seeing bigger better uh more integrated platforms robots specialist services um there's lots of tech companies at the uh, the pharmacy show this year if you really want to 
get to grips with what's available in the marketplace. It's probably the only place that you can uh, walk around for a day and see pretty much every every bit of it. So that's going to be very exciting. Um, I'll just pick a couple of things out of the actual conference program. Um, I think there's a uh, on the first day in the keynote, I'm really looking forward to the uh, Trailblazers panel, which is chaired by our own uh, Monica West at five o'clock. Uh, we're promised four very positive outlooks on, on the future of community pharmacy. I think that'll be a, a great listen. Uh, then the other thing that I think is interesting on um, Sunday is the in the primary care pharmacy theatre, there's a, a conversation about um, valuable integration with uh, within integrated care boards around the community pharmacy's consultation service with uh, my own favourite GP, Fazana Hussain, if you've never, ever seen Fazana talking about her experience of working with a local community pharmacy, it's definitely worth a listen. Um, Shilpa Shah is also in that in that session, as is Mohamed Kanji, the um, prescribing advisor for North East London ICB. So that's uh, going to be good. And then on Monday, I, I think over-prescribing, if you don't really know what that is, um, Tony Avery, who uh, uh, Professor Tony Avery is in the keynote at 11.15, and a quick shout out for something that I'm doing um, on uh, in the business theatre at uh, 10 to 3, uh, where we're going to be looking at um, collaboration and integrating clinical care in something which um, is a session the MPA has put together. So I'm particularly looking forward to that. And of course, we should, it goes without saying, Richard, that the two best stands in the show will be stands F45, um, the Communications International Group stand, and um, everybody's welcome to turn up on D66 and vote for their. Um, overall most valuable product for the year so uh, colleagues will be manning those uh, two stands and so if you're around and about and want to have a chat with us that's where to find us yeah fantastic good plug there rob but uh, yeah absolutely everyone please come along to our stands we, we'd love to uh, to chat to you all uh, it's always a fantastic opportunity for us to, to to talk to pharmacists and pharmacy team members and and find out what's going on. So yeah, please, please swing by our stands. Got two stands this year. Wow. Um, pack program there. Um, Neil, did anything catch your eye? Well, just by a strange twist of uh, coincidence, I, uh, Rob mentioned prescribing and the community pharmacist consultation service, and just just so happens I, I'm uh, privileged enough to on the Monday. Uh, do to host two talks exactly on those two things. We're well, developing uh, designated prescribing practitioners on the Monday morning uh, with two uh, excellent speakers, Nick Haddington from uh, a pharmacy dean for the Southwest uh, Health Education England and uh, Shabina Asmi, uh, National Programme Lead Supervision Reform, again, Health Education England. So uh, that will be uh, an extremely interesting talk. And after that, straight after that, um, I'll be chairing another uh, discussion on urgent and emergency care referral pilots to the community pharmacy consultation service. We all know about the problems that the GP uh, CPCS has, has been having and lack of referrals, but this will be an interesting discussion to see how this develops. And uh, well, Rob Proctor, senior policy and pharmacy integration leader at NHS England, will be uh, spreading his wisdom on that very subject. So uh, looking forward to it. I love the fact that we're all plugging our own sessions here. Um, but we are media partners, so, you know, that's important. Um, Arthur, what are you going to be getting up to in, uh, over the weekend in Birmingham? Yeah, just looking at the programme, there's some interesting themes. There's a lot about kind of ICSs, ICBs, uh, the, uh, talk on workforce. That should be um, 
uh, interesting. I'll definitely be keen to see uh, David Webb's talk on the uh, Monday, I believe, towards the end of the Monday. Um, but more, more than that, just it's a chance to kind of get to talk to a lot of uh, pharmacists and kind of hear about kind of what they're worried about and, and whether they're kind of, you know, you know, there'll be lots of people on lots of stages giving their ideas and, um, and their, uh, you know, solutions for the problems that ails the sector. But um, I'd be interested to actually speak to, you know, our readers and, and, and pharmacists and hear about, you know, what, what, what do they make of, of, of what's being said at the show? Indeed, Arthur. Uh, I was looking forward to to listening to David Webb until I was bumped off that session, but we won't go on about that. Um, yeah, there's some. Uh, it is a packed program, actually. There's on, on both on both days across all the theatres. Anna, Anna looks like looking at the floor plan. Loads of uh, exhibitors there as well, and I guess you know, for me, just to echo what what you guys say, really, Pharmacy Show incredibly important event um, in the pharmacy calendar because it's the one opportunity really where you know community pharmacy can get together in one place uh, under one roof and, and get up to speed with with everything that's happening in the sector on the professional business educational professional development side of things you know there's loads going on and it's a social event isn't it and uh we've missed that during covid and i think people are really enjoy just hanging out with each other really and, and, and chatting uh, and just catching up. So all that's going to take place uh, this Sunday and Monday at the NEC. Please come to see us on our stands, and uh, we look forward to chatting to you, as many of our listeners and readers, uh, as we can over the course of the weekend. And that's it for uh, another week. My thanks to Neil, to Rob, and to Arthur, and, of course, to, to Kate from Pharmacist Support. All the Talking Pharmacy podcasts can be found on the Pharmacy Magazine website, pharmacymagazine.co.uk, and from your usual podcast provider. We'll be back again soon, but for now, thanks very much for listening. Talking Pharmacy is brought to you in partnership with Beatrice, supporting pharmacy across RX dispensing, retail and OTC sales, and patient service delivery.